0: Respect and football feelings. This is another installment of the US podcast, Hit the Street, all in by Atlas United. I am your host, football commentator, journalist, aficionado, Nick Maitland, aka King Roots, the Roots King, the number one Roots man. we here on the Roots Jungle to speak to the coaches of Atlas United. I have here with me Craig Stewart, he's the head coach. I also have Shaquem and my guy Inchi. We finally have Inchi in the building. Greetings gentlemen. Plug
1: in, plug in. Good evening.
2: Hey Hey, good (laughs) afternoon thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Who's that?
0: Who's out there talking about plugging?
2: Won't it be Inchi?
0: Inchi?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Oh lost. Now let me start with Inchi then since he's talking about plugging in and all these type of things. I know Inchi from seeing Inchi from days up at the turf with another football club who will remain nameless because this is not their podcast. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so so tell me, Inchi, about how you got involved first in coaching and football in Barbados and the journey now to Atlas United.
1: Well, Inchi had a couple of years. I will leave the club unknown, as you said. Yes, yeah. this is not the coaching part. This is playing. I played a season, a, a season in third division with my guy skills. He was also on the team. One of our players, um, Carlos, who you know as Skippy, he was another player at this club. So I had a season there, um, very poor season. <laughs> I would <laughs> say. No, no wonder you're getting to coaching then. I, I see. Okay. I I, I no talk problem. in terms of team. Oh, team. all right. You saw who was Netflix. Enough, 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 So moving on from there, decided um you know I still doing the DJ and, and stuff. I decided we'd we'll get back in the football, but um had a couple knee injuries, right? So mm-hmm. that is what started to spark my interest into coaching.
0: So how are you how are you arrive at Atlas now?
1: Well, how are you how are you late with Coach Craig? I met Craig on Twitter actually back in like, 2016, Craig correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong.
3: Yeah, you guys, 2016. Yeah.
1: yeah I, used to, I used to see his tweets popping up on my timeline. Like, this fella, he, like, he got little sex, you know? <laughs> so then we started to make one of them back and forth, and then he had invited me, like, to come come and scrimmage with him on a Sunday and stuff like that. For 2016, when Craig, when we decided, all right, we had each other on WhatsApp. For 2016, to that day of 2016, I don't know every day. We have spoken about football. So so no
0: <laughs> so man don't talk with girls on
1: there, so that we're kind of in between. But <laughs> it, it's eighty percent it's eighty percent football, you understand? Yeah, so when, yeah. when Craig had the decision, I remember on there, Craig telling me I can start my team. We always talk about it before He was like anytime we go to a team, like if I become a coach, I gotta try to get Craig there. If he becomes a coach, he's gonna get me there, et cetera. So one day, you, you might told me on WhatsApp. I think it was at work that day. You might told me, I feel like I start a star team, though. You know, he's just talking. It's just like, alright, that easy, man, but I really take all the fella. Next minute, see my come back with a logo. goal. Craig, you were serious? My mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me, yeah, be So he, you know Craig is my dog. So he told me, so if my man want a team and he want me, I could be there. Whatever this man doing, I supported him
0: good good so Shaquem now how you are you getting into the
2: vibe um personally like I always had a love for football and more so the football like the tactics and what is really going to what the coaches thinking and how them just plan right. out them game you know what I mean like that always just like speak to me when it comes to football and i when I started watching football Craig Craig who put me on the football to be honest so, like he made me you know what i mean like Fall in love with football. Like I started watching True Craig, and since then, like I ain't look back when it comes to football. And I feel that like I've learned a lot watching football. And I also feel that like I have knowledge to share when it comes to football. And I have no problem sharing it. Mm-hmm. So, still with you, Sha.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You are a part of
0: a new football club. Is 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 easier when you go into a club that's already established with people who. I've been in the game for a long time. Mm. But you are joining a new club as a as a new football fan, coach, and all of that. So how how was the transition getting into to Atlas? And how do you see yourself contributing to Atlas and the players going forward?
2: Mm. All right. Well, I can, I can start from, like, until I feel like I want to start from where Craig had first told me about his plan with, with Atlas and the club and all that. Because he came to me a day and he was like, you know, he really wanna get him to start in a club, like a football club here in Barbados. Right. And he, he talked to me, he break it down, and tell me, like some of the plans and, and how far he wanna go and how successful he, he want the club to be, and that he want to do it with people that he knew for for years and, and came up with came up with and all that, right. So like I I definitely like got behind it like very early on. Like I, I like the plan and I like the vision. And when I when I agree with something like that, like I could fully get behind it and support it. So from the get-go, like Craig right. had me on his team. So early on, I guess when we first got into it, it was um it was a little nerve wracking. I wasn't sure how it was gonna go. Um, from recruiting players early on and starting training where we didn't even have a trainer, going necessarily, and stuff, all of that was it was a hurdle to get over, is what I would say. And we had to we had to think a lot. We had to work on the flight a lot. Like early on, like it was it was just take what you get and you work with it because it wasn't like we had a, a ground or you know what I mean? Everything was settled. We had to work on the flow. So, for me, early on, like it was adjusting to what we had and and working with it. Like that was that was the biggest thing for me. And mm-hmm. I guess also like coming from, as I said, he he doing this with people he knew for years, and also I knew a lot of these people for years. I knew H prior to this as well to the club starting, and it was it was going from I guess like regular relationships where it's like friends and. And close acquaintances or cool acquaintances or whatever the case may be to take an interprofessional relationship. And that would have been, I guess, sort of weird because at times, like, you know what I mean? Like, you talk to your boys and you talk to them regular and like, yo, dog, you doing good, you're going on, you know what I mean? But it had to go to like professional, they had to understand that there was a level of respect from both sides that we had to show yeah. each other and understand that there was a hierarchy. and. You had to understand how the hierarchy worked and who was in charge of who in the situation. So it was... For me, that was probably one of my earliest challenges with it early on, because obviously it wasn't like the players would just snap. at one day, like, that's my boss, or that's that's somebody that's leading me, because these are my friends, you know what I mean? I used to power them every day. So it was... It was a very different situation. Hmm. And in Chi, how, how
0: was... The learning process been since coming over to Atlas from uh, a more established club and and being with players more established players, how was the transition and what have you learned in this transition?
1: um transitional wise it was pretty easy, you know because the guys that we're working with at Atlas are pretty coachable. The guys actually listen to you, so it wasn't hard to like get them to follow your ideas are your philosophies so so
0: players being coachable is i still still with still with uh in chief players being coachable is the main thing that you need or you want players who are able to i guess perform on the day what 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 is more important as a coach being able to get ideas into someone's head or just
1: having players who can perform on the day? For me, the players taking in the ideas. Yeah, getting over your philosophy to players is very important. And the way how you get over your philosophy to them is also very important. The way how you communicate, because I can have an idea, but I don't know how to tell a player what I want then. That's very important when it comes to coaching. It's that's a big problem when it comes to some of the bigger coaches in the world that we know, like the Emery's, for example. For, um, so, Mr. Cam, now you you
0: you became a football fan recently. Well, I did not want to say recently. How how recent? Oh, well, um,
2: I knew Craig for very long. So I, I became a football fan about twelve years ago. Maybe maybe eleven, I guess
0: twelve eleven but i I hear thinking that you mean like twenty eighteen or some days when you start
2: watching football <laughs> no nah, right? from from the time I was about eleven, I guess I had come come into football
0: okay, so so sha who some of your uh, coaching influences, even favorite footballers who who do you try to model your philosophy
2: um behind um I think, I think a lot that I, I kind of model myself as a coach behind kind of a year and a clock kind of style, in a in a way like yeah, I believe Will a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe a lot. In, let, let him talk. Let him talk. I believe a lot in highly motivating the players and and getting behind them. and really understanding what drives them more than, I guess just sticking to a, a specific regimen throughout with the different players or rather, like I go about how I handle different situations with different players in a way that would boost their confidence. I try to build like relationships between me and and them so because like get on a better understanding and they would as you said, say like they would buy into my philosophies and understand what I'm trying to translate to them. Because I feel that like if we can't if we can't relate as a person on a personal level like we ain't gonna be best boys, you know. We we talk about this and everything, you know what I mean. But if you can't sit down and uh, understand each other in a regular discussion about something, then I don't, I don't think I could coach a player properly if I can't even have a proper discussion with them where I can help them understand my point of view on something. So, right, clock for me is is a man that I kinda even armsy down. Like these these men, where as clock, he's a he's a very. As much as he's a man that like he was man managing and stuff, he's also very tactical. Zidane, on the other hand, he's a man that like he's a lot more in terms of mind-managing. He isn't... Only know you will see that Zidane, I guess, is improving his tactics and stuff. But, when he first came onto the scene at Real Madrid. I'm a very big Real Madrid fan. Just, just playing out ain't there. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no problem. When he came onto the scene at Real Madrid. It, it was more that he got the best or just some brilliant players, more than he had, I guess a foundation or a structure that was amazing and it was it was running over teams. You know what I mean? He got the best out of some brilliant players. And and back to what you say it's like coachable players, players that I can understand and and could get through, you could get through to, And that's that's why I model myself after these guys because as much as I think tactics go a lot into it and, and having a good structure and foundation all of that is very important. At the end of the day it's the players on the day that have to like carry these out. So, if I can't get these players to buy into this and carry this out effectively, then I've done nothing.
0: Indeed. Good answer. Inchi, same same question for you. Who are your managerial influences or playing influences?
1: Well, I don't try to, like, model my my coach, per se, after these coaches, but like Craig was saying the other day, you get certain ideas or... Certain little things you can pick up from different coaches. So as you say well like Jorgen Klopp, he'll be in my top five. As Shaquem said, like, the way how he communicates with his players and you know, I get to know them. That's the same way how Poch does and that is something that you can live by. Craig is like that sort of coach as well. He tries to get to know his players and Shaquem, myself, um, Drew, skills you try to Model our philosophy like that, there as well. Um, I also look at the guys like Thomas Tuchel, not mm-hmm. a big one, that's my <laughs> uncle, you know, <laughs> Julian Negless, my that's my big brother. Yes, mm-hmm. a year, yes, a year older than me, but one of the best coaches in the world, right? Some It, see, guys. it seems that you
0: like you like the German coaches, <laughs> maybe the um, German style of play,
1: maybe the Germans taking over the coaching world, who knows. <laughs>
0: All right, that's want to
1: I, I wouldn't say that, though. Um, I like the, the Thomas Tuchels and the and the Neglesmans because of the positional player, right? That is kind of like the philosophy at Atlas, so it translates.
0: So you're leading us straight into the actual day-to-day grind that the coaches would involve themselves in along with the players. And Craig, I just want to speak to you for a little bit. When it comes to planning sessions and when it comes to executing drills and, um, you know, giving tactical instructions, who would usually take the lead on that? If if it would be you as head coach or would you delegate that duty to one of your coaches?
3: Um, I would say that when we first started, it was predominantly me. Um, I would pass on the information to the coaches beforehand and they would know, well, say on Sundays we're coming to do this drill, or we're coming with that intention. Um, it would say that was going on from August until we came back in January after our break. Uh, from there, I made a conscious decision to dedicate more because over that time, I realized for myself that I was able to carry out sessions, able to give instructions, whatever the case may be. So for me, it's okay that I knew how to do it. But I have to be able to give the talented people around me that same opportunity. So it was there from then I tried to give Inchi and Shot more responsibility in terms of planning. Obviously, they would still follow the ideas that we want for the team. But it was their responsibility then to plan the sessions, execute the sessions, and then when it came to the, I would say the bigger drills where it was the full team, then Shot would go. up and manage a half of the squad. So, we mm-hmm. will split the squad in half and then they will tear the other half. So, that's what we've been doing it for the last couple of months was here.
0: Mm, very interesting. And it seems... Uh, it's, it's very good that it seems as though you involve your coaches in every single aspect in order that someday they may even become their own head coaches because a lot of the head coaches you've mentioned, like Thomas Tuchel and uh, the same Pochettino, Jurgen Klopp, Zidane even... Started out as assistant coaches, and then because obviously they've been, they were believed in by their head coach. They got the confidence to become head coaches themselves. So I, I really agree with that philosophy in terms of delegating to your assistant coaches and allowing them to lead sessions. Now, the playing style of Atlas United. We spoke on the on the previous episode about uh, playing the playing style of Atlas. Is this playing style just something that the head coach, Craig, decided and his coaches are on board with? Or is the playing style something that all three of you or all the entire management of the playing, playing squad came up with in agreement? Hmm.
3: All right, I can take the this. Yeah, I, I
0: mean you, Craig, yes.
3: All right, you. The playing style is a personal preference. And before the club, even before the first training session, that was something that was planned in detail way beforehand. So by the time I was able to select the coaching team and select players, I knew the idea of how we wanted to play. No, I had the advantage of talking to Shaq and Inchi Beforehand, in terms of knowing them and knowing what type of football they like, so it would be easier for me to convince them that this was the right way. Because they know how they think. Mm-hmm. You no, know, if it was a case where it was any old person, I think skills would probably agree with me. It's, it was a learning curve for him because it was something that maybe he wasn't so interested in because he would have told you that he was into defending. Right. So maybe he wouldn't have looked at football as something where you won't have the ball for a long time or where you want to be meticulous and how you attack teams. Maybe that's something that he wouldn't have picked up while watching football. So maybe somebody like him, it would have been harder to get them on my side with it. But to his credit, he's on. Well, I think he agreed No, I don't know, but I would hope so.
0: Mm -hmm. So still with you, Craig, does Atlas have a a game model, a, a way in which you want particular games to go, uh, a way in which you want your players to develop after every training session, after every game, what is the model uh, of your game that you want to implement?
3: Alright, so we uh, will have to start first by saying what a game model is. Right. Well, tell tell the people who don't know, yes. All right. so uh, a game model basically to me is a set of instructions really, that will provide a context to how you want your team to be organized. So, for example, I will say when we have sustained attack, so when we have the ball for a long period of time, I will want my team to use the wings, for example. So that would be a, um, an idea of what we do in the attack. Say in defense, when the other team has the ball no, I will say that we want our team to press high. That would be an example of what we do out of possession. So there are four phases of the game. There is attacking, but I try to um, detail it a little bit more by saying sustain attacking, um, sustain defending, then there's transition to attack, and then there is transition to defense. So we try to detail each phase so that the team knows what we're doing in each moment of the game, and sometimes when they cross over. And uh, the rest of the question, you got to remind me.
0: How was the kind of mode of development after every training session, after every game? How do you want your players to develop? In what areas?
3: Well, this is a game personal preference, but I believe that if I come to watch a football game, I don't want to watch a team that is sitting behind the ball for 90 minutes. That is in no way appealing to me, especially... At our level where you will have players that are coming from work or coming from school, I don't think anybody wants to come to training and practice how to be defending for 90 minutes. To me, football is supposed to be entertainment. And my preference for entertainment is having the ball majority of the game because then I'm able to see my players perform their skills, perform their different um, abilities or whatever the case may be. So we try to mold everything or every session that we do with that idea. So if you were to come to our training, we do a lot of rondos. We do a lot of positional attacks. We do maybe to our detriment. I don't think so yet, but we do a lot more attacking and build-up drills than anything else because that is what I want to be at the forefront of our players' mind. Um, I will say that this is something that me and Inch talk about a lot. Um, Barbadian football is far behind in terms of organized attacking or we would say a more European model of football. and We are trying our best to reprogram their minds and try to get them to understand that we don't have to play like the typical Barbados team. We don't have to be having a, a bunch of dribblers or kick long and run behind the ball, wherever the case may be, we don't have to play that way. So, if nothing else, when this is awesome and done, I hope that when people come to watch Atlas, they realize that the football that we play is completely different to what else is played in Barbados. So, that's really my only goal.
0: Hmm. That is a brilliant answer. And anytime your answer revolves around taking the game To another level in Barbados It piques my interest even more Because I think that For anybody coming onto the scene And we've talked about football culture At length Anybody coming onto the scene And joining this great culture of football We have Must aim to take it to the next level To the next standard Because that's the only way Football in Barbados is going to improve And the only way in the future That we can actually see our players and coaches Making a living from this sport, the president of the Barbados Football Association, Randy Harris, that is one of his aims, wants to see players and coaches being able to make money from the game. And we can only make money if we do it well. So kudos to coaches like yourself and shot and Inchi and everybody else trying to take this football to the next level so that we can get <laughs> some paper. Agree. Because money's run the world and we need, we need money to
1: survive. No, yeah, what? just let the comment- mm-hmm. commentators make all the money. So, that <laughs> the coaches and the players should make some, you know. I don't know if that was a jab
0: at me or what, but um, I will, I will take it. I I take it. You know, commentators and journalists don't go make all the money. I want some. I want to see some of the footballers on the pitch make some of the money. Because me personally, I I I don't think I am the best footballer. I am not terrible, but I'm not the best. So, I would like to see some guys who I look at like, "Wow, this man really got some skill. And you got some of those players at Atlas too I
1: was about to tell you you should come to some atlas games you know
0: <laughs> i i was at i was at, I was at one or two or maybe one and a half games, but that's a perfect segue into the some of the, the preseason friendlies that you guys have had and remaining with you Inchi, how how have mm-hmm. you seen the development of the boys from that first training session?" To that last um, preseason game?
1: I would say everyone on the team has improved. From the first day I saw them until our last training session. Don't mind, I was vets with them for the last training session. I (laughs) can remember. (laughs) But the boys have really improved. I must say, even like guys, had some guys that that came, I know there's like, all right, this is a chance for them to make a team for the first time or whatever they may have came in and could have do a basic control, pa- uh, trap and pass or anything like that. But everyone on the team is still at a level where I can say, yeah, hmm. the boys can't Hmm. What about,
0: what about you, Shaq? How, how have you seen any improvement uh, from the first training session to the last preseason game?
2: Um, personally, I've seen I've, like, a lot of improvement from the boys there, a lot. Like, I was, And she would have said, there were some who some of the basics would have been beyond them at that point in time and that's exactly what we started with from the from the very first session, we start from the exact basics. We we did stuff without the ball, we took them into the ball, you know what I mean? We we built up our training session, our training regimen in a way that these boys can advance from one stage to the next. So we really took all that into consideration. We I mean, say, you know, all right, we got some players at this level and then we just go straight at this and forget the rest. Everybody start from that level and everybody move up to a certain level. And all, all of them over at the same level and all of them are right now at a point where they can carry out a lot of the stuff you were asking them. Yeah, if you say something, you know, they would do certain things, they would get annoyed, you know what I mean? And and that's gonna happen. Like you are gonna always want more, you're gonna always want better because you believe in this group and you believe that they can always do better. But from that first training session of what we've seen in the last friendly, like I I like this is this is probably the best thing to me in coaching is watching these boys go from what they were back then to what they are now. is a beautiful sight, like I think everybody deserves to to watch people grow up and mature. Like that, whether you're a level football or any sport in general.
1: Sport. That's it. That's it for yeah. coaching. That's it for coaching chat. Not to cross your point, but I said that's it. That's it for me when it comes to coaching the players like to score goals, some like to break down the defensive line with a beautiful pass, mm-hmm. some like tackling. But when it comes to coaching, seeing mm-hmm. players improved uh, because because of certain things that you told them and putting certain yeah. things into that a- practice.
2: That's, that's why, like, I, I'm very glad that I got it in coaching because I can with confidence say that these boys have come far and they're to a level where, like, they they carry out and execute what you want for them like very well like and they can always do better and they know that this is just the beginning for this group like y'all ain't even seen that yet like <laughs> to keep it real
0: <laughs> well I I want to say congratulations to you guys for acknowledging that growth in your players and in yourself as well um I I know for sure that is one of the the, the points of a coach and the one of the main reasons a lot of people get into coaching is to improve footballers and to improve footballers in the philosophy that you, how you want to see football being played. And I think you guys are on the way to, to really achieving that. Um Atlas is not like any other football club I've seen. I, I continue to say this. You have a, a different approach to the game and a different approach to seeing the game even after the game is played. A lot of these clubs... They're just train to play and move on from there. There's no real recollection of what went on. Now, Atlas is a club who collects stats after every game. Um, you employ video analysis, shot maps, things that I, I have never seen any other club doing. And you focus a lot on the theory of the game. And I mean, in sport, it's easy for you to dismiss the theory and only focus on the practical side of it. But all of these things separate Atlas from the different clubs in Barbados. And I just want to ask all three of you, with Craig going last, inchy first, what separates Atlas from the other clubs that you have been a part of or that you have seen?
1: Yeah. um, Apart from the marketing, which which Craig had mentioned in the previous episode, I would say that our backroom staff pay attention to detail. Mm-hmm. As you see with the stats collection, the video analysis, the theory, sharing the theory with the players and see how much they understand. And they try to get them to do it during the practice sessions, the details in the practice sessions, how we set up, you know, to um to create certain things on the field. Like, say, um, judging by certain stats that we collected, we know that, OK, um. The majority of our chance creation or goals come from the left side. So, me and Shot will go now and uh, design a plan. How are we going to create goals through the middle or through the right side? These are the things that we look to do at Atlas United.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what about you, Shot? How, how, what
2: separates Atlas from um, the other club? I you feel like you can state two major points here for me. And starting with the first one is that the way we handle training sessions, because I've seen other training sessions, and they're a lot different than you would expect, I guess, because for us, like, we we, we have a very structured plan. Obviously, sometimes you gotta change it up, you know what I mean, depending on personnel, or or if you have a problem with the ground that day, or whatever, you know what I mean, whatever the case may be, but we have a plan, and I feel like some other clubs don't really have that plan, like, them come and you know sometimes you've got six men at mm-hmm. training and training is them just scrimming or, or playing a little football with us is like we as as you say let's say we 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 found a problem with how we do a certain thing is like all right we want to work on this we come and we start you now we, we do our warm-ups we go into small structure drills that are based on what we're trying to show these boys and teach them on that particular training session or on that day. So we, we use some commons and we separate the boys in different structures or whatever with the coaches overseeing them, and then we go from that smaller the, that smaller drill into like something slightly bigger where more boys come together now and the drill gets more difficult and you know what I mean, and then we take that from there now and we go into the full field thing where is that is without all the, the guidelines and is is letting them get a real game experiences so you know what I mean? We take them through a stage of where it's level one, then level two, then level three to properly get across the point or the, the reason for that specific training session. So, that is that's a big difference to me in that aspect. And for the point two, I don't know if you ever heard, but the boys, the boys, they call me stat shot. Like, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> no, nobody really calls me <laughs> start myself, but it going to catch on. It's going to catch on. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah, have con- Jeez, have confidence, um, have confidence. Yeah, working for Optum. working for Optum. <laughs> we started recording stocks um, <laughs> a while back. Craig had had brought up the idea and said that he think it's a really good idea in terms of like if you like, it's probably the best way to benchmark and figure out where you need to improve or what you need to improve. By keeping stats and, and after the game, understanding what really went on because watching it is one thing. Obviously, you learn a lot from watching it, but when you can record certain stuff and and take it in, and really take it in of what happened in the game and, and break it down after the game, like that allows for a lot better analysis and improvement. So we we started taking the stats. We get some shots and and the times that we can't see goals, um, our average build up, the longest build up per game all of these stuff we would record and and analyze after in order to to determine what we really need to work on with the boys and improve each and every session. So that's another really big, like, indicator. And I think we're doing different from other clubs because I haven't personally seen it. Maybe it's out there. Maybe it's not as pushed out as well as Atlas does it. But for us, for for me personally, I think that we do a really good job of doing that. And we also get out there to the fans. And and I am a big, like, I love the fans. Like I appreciate them, and they drive a team. They they drive a, a industry. They drive everything. Like you are what your consumer base or Your your fans are. I'm a businessman, so you know, again, again, certain things like that. Sometimes, but these people drive you. So you, I believe in who push you and support you, and we have to give back to them. And by showing sure the the stats, if you weren't there at the game, you won't know what happened. You know what I mean, like. That's a very good way to, to let them know what happened and have an idea for the game right down. So that's that's that for me.
0: Yeah, man. I I I like those answers really good. And I like the fact that you mentioned the fans because sports in general is is really nothing without the fans. So I wanna ask you guys now just a slight departure from speaking about the club and speaking about football in general. Um, you know, currently we are going through a bit of a pandemic, and they say a bit of a pandemic because they know that um it will be over soon. Um we declare that it will be over soon. But there are there are instances where people are saying, especially in Europe, I see that the French Liga has been cancelled now. Um the Air Divisie, I think they're they're probably gonna cancel now in, in Holland. But some leagues are thinking about starting back without the fans and running the games without the fans, obviously televising them. Mm. And remaining with you, Shaq, how important or, or do you agree with the idea that fans should be... Ex- I mean, you can't have major gatherings now, but is it going to take away something from the football no matter at what level it is um, taking For away me, definitely, really
2: like it, it wouldn't have the same feel. The game would not be the same way. Um, as, as a person who is watching... Obviously, you want to see it, you miss the football, and you, you would love to be able to watch some football and stuff, but it would be a different feel just watching this on the TV and not hearing any fans. Or, personally, I've watched games where there were no fans before, and for me, it's, it's a different level of play. Like, it, it doesn't matter how beautiful the football is, like, the level of, of enjoyment is not the same. Like, you just the fans really seek into the whole feel of the game, the experience, it, it makes you feel like you're there. and... and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, what a champion. You find out the stadium rocking, like, that. that's that's a feel right there for me. Like, that's the that, that's beautiful mm-hmm. game. So, it's a whole different thing. And and for the players now, like, I can only imagine, like, the mentality, of going out there and, and not playing for any of your fans. You just, you just playing football. Like, like it went from you playing a sport that you love and, and enjoy for your fans and, and all you people at home or who there with you or but tomorrow, like, you going into work every day now because you, cause you have to. So, I think I think personally is I I can't speak on whether it's a good or a bad thing, but I guess is is what it is, and it's what we have to deal with right now in this in this pandemic. As you said, so
0: yeah, very true. What about, what about you? Angie? how you feel about playing games behind closed doors, even at the highest level,
1: as a player, must be lousy. Hmm. That's first thing. Um. As shot said, I think the the presence of the fans give the football much more boost, or more, give the players more influence to play the game to the best of their abilities. As you say, as Shaq was saying, a very important point, like, well, the fans, the guys, you just feel like, this where they just come to do a little job here, you know, because they got to. But if the fans there may cheer you on, you playing in the stadium, like, or oh, Trafford mm. you know <laughs> and the fans scream union because you know thread a ball through uh, two lines break two lines and you ball up on Marty Alford and thing. you know you beg a little that sort of thing if he's a Bruno Fernandes and stuff like that so uh, I think the the fans yeah the fans are needing in the football for sure all oh, these hyper
0: drive break <laughs> sound like United fans though <laughs>
1: Well, me, I am and um, the MHK fellow, I think he, he support some other side in Manchester. <laughs> I don't think there's real right now. I don't think they're too good now. The only so. other
0: side in man, the only other sides in Manchester I you know about is Bolton Wanderers, Blackburn
1: Rovers, uh, Salford.
0: Salford, Salford City, yeah. I I already know <laughs> but other clubs in Manchester.
1: Okay, oh, he's probably, he's, he's probably
0: support one of those. Oh,
1: you know, I know you. Oh. felt like he breded or something. He can yeah, sure.
0: support Blackburn Blackburn in the Premier League many years ago with Alan Shearer and um and them sort of boys. So I, he's probably a, a, a Blackburn fan. Well, no problem. Probably. There. I asked Craig this question uh, on one of the earlier episodes, so I will ask you guys now. Apart from winning Division Three, or apart from being promoted from Division Three, what would constitute? A successful season in third division. Whenever we begin football, starting with you, Ng.
1: Um, true success for me. Um, seeing the, the guys carry out our principles the way that we want the team to play. Again, playing at a very high level and winning games while well doing it. Apart from being promoted, promoted is is the major achievement, but. Seeing the guys carrying out our principles and doing how we were like playing the game beautifully, that's what we like to see. Um, first
2: is, is as crazy, we have a game plan, we have a way we want to play, we want to be recognized by this player. So, you pull up, you pull out of this game, you're already sure who's playing or whatever, but you just come with your boy and you see a team playing away. Yeah, I feel like that's does. Atlas United, you know what I mean, it like does. That's, that's exactly what I want from people to be able to see. Um, I want. The boys to to just play their heart out and respect others while playing their heart out because they know how some of the games may be sometimes you know it might get low and you get angry here and there but I want the boys to try and keep it as professional as possible. That's uh, holding the standard for me is a, a very important thing for the boys. And for sure, I I want to score some goals. My score these men. Like I want I want to see some some four loves and you know what I mean like some beautiful football and we and we scoring for me like I want to see. <laughs> I want to see the boys defending well and all that. Like, that's exactly what I want to see. Mm.
0: Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure talking to you all. And I'd like to just search your brain for a little bit coming on to to the latter stages of the episode. So I will ask this question to both of you. Uh, I want Shaq to answer first since Shaq is the last person to
2: speak. Mm.
0: Who is the better manager? Jose Mourinho or Pep-, Pep Guardiola? For me, it's Pep
2: Guardiola, hands down. I'm not, am not going to lie. As, as a man who also was a Mourinho back in the days at Real Madrid, this this guy he had Real Madrid playing some amazing counter-attacking football, Pep-, <laughs> Pep Guardiola was a genius. And he's a genius in the fact that nothing is good enough for him. And and people might talk like something a little spoilt or you, you demand too much and the players, are being too harsh, whatever, whatever. And that may be the case at times, right? But them them sort of personalities is get the best of the players. It's made the key keep improving, and it's keep improving a team, it's create teams that you would have never thought would have been possible. And and there's there's players on football that absolutely stunning and and amazingly. Like you watch you watch City play football and they play beautiful football. Obviously, sometimes you know, this season they haven't been at their best, and you know what I mean. Like, but if if City running, them running. Watching City decimate a team seven at eight, love and. How how the players move and and the positions they take up, how they rotate and how all that, like, is is honestly beautiful. Is, is what you would call total football in my opinion. So for me, is is Pep Guardiola for me.
0: So you're going with Guardiola. All right. Well, Inchi, I'm <laughs> gonna ask you a different question now because I can't I can't let you oh, ask, answer the same question. That would be boring to the listeners. So I'm gonna ask you, Inchi, who's the better manager? Klopp or Guardiola? Mm-hmm. Jeez. question.
1: This one, nasty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really, man. Just think about it a little bit. Just think about it a little bit. <laughs> this
1: may take another 43 minutes.
0: You <laughs> got time, man. Ooh. I don't I know if you got time, but we got time.
1: Um... Both, both of them. Yeah. This is a tricky word, right, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I like both our coaches because I have seen both of them evolve. clubs mm-hmm. Klopp's uh, Liverpool has evolved from the time he came. Just not by adding players, but certain little tweaks in the game. And Pep Guardiola football has evolved from Barcelona to um, Munich to Man City. I think that he... He did a lot of more tinkering with the Barrowmuir site, as Mia Craig was watching uh, quite a few games uh, during the, the curfew, the quarantine, and stuff. Ah, boy, but there's a tough way to, to choose one. Yeah,
0: choose one, mm.
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> In my burst, my brain, you get shot an easy one. I can't burst my brain. Oh,
0: uh, I th- I th- I thought all like- questions were difficult.
1: I like I like both as coaches. I I cheese <laughs> on. <laughs> right. See me? Left me out. Left, left on the steering. <laughs> Leave right the steel. Let's, I tell you.
0: All right, we, we can work with Let's that. Go. We can work with that, man. Both both fantastic managers. So I don't mind you uh sitting on the fence with this one. But Brethren, once again, another riveting discussion on all in with Atlas United. Uh, Thanks so much for your time, guys. Thanks so much for the insight into your coaching methods and your coaching influences and how you really plan to make strides and make big waves in local football. And on behalf of local football, I thank you for dedicating your time and energy to developing this culture and having this platform as well to let the whole world know about the great things that Atlas United is doing so, I give thanks for you all. I have been your host, Nick Maitland, a.k.a. King Roots, Roots King, the number one Roots man.
1: leaving me the Roots jungle. And until next time, it's bye-bye.